The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, coming to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Worldwide toll-free, 1-800-610-7035. Email exxon at com On MSN Messenger, exxonradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, com. In the old age discussions on whether the Bible is at odds with science, many secularists point out that there is no mention of dinosaurs in the Old Testament. Right? Yeah. However, but that simply is not true. And that's according to my guest this hour, Professor Solomon Hurriesh. He's going to reveal where to find the reference about dinosaurs, as well as other fascinating insights that will make it possible for people who believe in science to accept the Bible as the literal Word of God. uh, Professor uh, Hurriesh holds a Doctor of Business Administration and is former adjunct associate college professor. He spent more than 10 years extensively researching his book, Why Human Beings Do Not Need Blind Faith to Believe in Creationism. Joining me now is Professor Hariesh and uh, Saul. Welcome to the show. Oh, my pleasure to be here, Rob. Tell, uh, tell, tell me. That was a terrific question about this, uh, the dinosaurs, yeah. because that's the most uh, fascinating uh, uh, question, uh, interesting especially to the young people. So wh- In Genesis 121, mm-hmm. on day five, all the Bibles discuss uh, a Hebrew word that no one really understood the exact derivation of. In Hebrew, it, it, it says tahaninim, but in English, different Bibles translate it differently. Some say the great whale, some say the great sea monsters, and no one really knew what it was referring to until we got into the modern-day period. By the modern-day period, I'm talking about science giving us an education within the last 75 years. And this is what, in fact, made my work possible, knowing what science has introduced within the last 75 years that the sages couldn't even have imagined. And it turns out that those giant sea monsters Mm -hmm. that they were discussing were the dinosaurs. And then, of course, the questions became uh, for those uh, uh, people who questioned, uh, how could uh, God have made the dinosaurs? and then blessed them and told them to go out and multiply and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then they end up disappearing from the, world, from the earth. Yeah. Surely, they said, there must be some mistake in the creation story. Remember now, we're questioning God. Right. But as it turns out, within the last 75 years, what we learned, one of the many, many things that we learned that were not imaginable uh, to the people before this uh, period, was that 
there is a winged species of dinosaurs from which the birds evolved. So today we know that birds evolved mm -hmm. from, there was only two winged species of dinosaurs, and from one of them, birds evolved, which is discussed in the book. And uh, that was the purpose of the dinosaurs coming into existence. So is this what you mean, uh, Saul, that finally the Bible is being in sync with science? Yes, yes. But before there was always the opinion, well, you believed in one right. or the other, you had no choice. And uh, then, of course, we and here in America, there was always the school board battles uh, between those who wanted to teach creationism and those who wanted to teach science. They were at odds with one another. And lo and behold, with the work we've done, we've shown they are not at odds. They're not only in sync, but the but but science is proving that the Bible is accurate. All right, Saul, please stand by. You and I have to take a two-minute commercial break. Thank you very much for joining us. This is going to be one heck of a great hour. Exonation, okay. Professor Solomon Hurriash is my special guest. The name of his book is Why Human Beings Do Not Need Blind Faith to Believe in Creationism. It's available from his website at landpublishing.com or Barnes & Noble. The book is available in either print or e-format. And uh, the good uh, professor and I will be back on the other side of this two-minute commercial break. Don't go away. Take a step back in time and discover old Florida cuisine at Marsh Landing Restaurant in Felsmere. Enjoy delicacies such as frog legs, gator tail, catfish, and swamp cabbage, or enjoy the more traditional cuisine like hand-cut Angus steaks, ribs, and seafood. Join us for breakfast with a southern flair featuring sweet potato pancakes, biscuits and gravy, and much more. Planning a party? Marsh Landing's private dining room can accommodate groups from 8 to 80 people. While you're visiting, enjoy the historic pictures, artifacts, and stories that line the walls. Marsh Landing is truly a unique experience. Marsh Landing Restaurant, 44 North Broadway in historic Felsmere, or visit marshlandingrestaurant.com. Marsh Landing, old Florida cuisine at its best. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. Welcome back to the X-Zone, everyone. Uh, Professor Solomon Hirsch is our special guest, uh, www.landpublishing.com. He's the author of Why Human Beings Do Not Need Blind Faith to Believe in Creationism, and his book is available in either book or e-format on Barnes & Noble or available through his website, once again, at www.landpublishing.com. Saul, the Bible says it took six days to create the world, and science says it took billions of years. How is that in sync? Right, and that was the big question that 
that caused people to make the choice. Either mm-hmm. they believed in the Bible, and or they believed in science. And if they believed in the Bible, it required blind faith, because nothing made sense. How could the Bible? How could the world have been created in six 24-hour days? Mm. But again, within the last 75 years, from the work of uh, people like Einstein and his theory of relativity, and other American physicists, supported by physicists all around the world, it was discovered and realized with that, with the on, that with the creation of the universe, gravity, the force of gravity affects the telling of time. The passage of time is affected by gravity. Gravity in space is different from the gravity on Earth. Now, it's already been proven that the same clock, the, uh, and the Bible, by the way, uh, the, in Genesis 1, it speaks in cosmic time. The same clock in space, measuring six 24-hour days, is the exact equivalent of four and a half billion years of that same clock on Earth uh, with Earth time. And this is the most fascinating finding of them all, because this, it could have been humanly impossible, humanly impossible for Moses or a thousand like him to have known of every basic detail and their exact chronology of the creation story three and a half thousand years ago. Yeah, that's right. And today, and today we're finding out things that, again, that was unimaginable. And there's no longer conflict. Yes, six days of cosmic time is equivalent to four and a half billion years of Earth time. So this is uh, this is really something. It certainly is. Now, now you know Charles Darwin, as I'm sure you know, says that we descended from the apes. Is this true or false? Uh, this is absolutely false. Absolutely false. Great Grandpa did not come swinging through the trees. Oh, I, I see you never met my grandfather. <laughs> okay. Now, there's a, a, a thing about uh, Charles Darwin. Yeah. Uh, he actually never actually said that we descended from the eggs. There was the uh, this assumption that he was referring to it. But his colleague, Wallace, uh, in later books, uh, admitted that the, the thinking was wrong and we did not descend from the apes. Now, the, the world's most foremost paleoanthropologist is an Englishman named Richard Leakey. Mm-hmm. Sure. And he put out a book uh, saying that uh, we did descend from the apes. Uh, Origins, uh, he called his book Origins. It was a bestseller some years back. And then later, in later years, he and his partner put out another book, and uh, Origins he revisited or something like yep. that, in which he admitted that there was an error, and we did not descend from the apes. And all the research shows now that the way uh, God made man in, in Genesis one twenty seven, man was made as an independent species. In fact, every species that God created was an independent species. There was evolution, but evolution of the species within themselves. So the saber-toothed tiger became today's Bengal tiger, uh, the caveman through different uh, 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 groups and different species from the Neanderthals to Homo erectus uh, now became, um, what do we call ourselves today, Homo sapiens. Uh, each, each group developed within themselves. And, and the funny thing is this, we have common DNA with every species, every species 
has some common DNA with man. Man has uh, uh, common DNA. Now, uh, the important thing is this. Uh, we have common DNA with the bear, but we have more common DNA with the ape. But it's, but it's not the similarity of the, of the DNA, but it's the differences in the DNA that make each species unique unto themselves. So we all came from a basic, a basic master mold. Mm -hmm. Because if you look at it this way, look at a wolf, look at a bear, look at a cow, look at a lion, look at a man. Only we only have each only has one head, two eyes, a nose, a digestive system, a heart, lungs, and, and a, a system for procreation and uh, metabolism of uh, of the food and. Uh, uh, the grass or the meat, whatever it is that we eat, we all have a basic common design, but each species is independent of the other. And man did not descend from any any other group. We're an independent species. So, uh, great. Let, so, let me ask know about your grandfather. But <laughs> <laughs> no, he was a real swinger. Grand that's all, that's all I meant for that. He was. Dad, tell me about this then, uh, Saul. Here's a question that, that has perplexed me ever since I can remember. In the Bible it says, And God said, Let us create man in our image, in our likeness. Right. Number one, why was the plural used? And number two, does that mean we, since we were made in the likeness and the image of gods, are gods ourselves? No. Uh, here's the story with the plural. Uh, in fact, the Bible, and this is the big question, mm -hmm. uh, the Bible starts off with uh, calling God Elohim, yes. which is a plural. So the question is, uh, was God really more than one? And the answer is simply this. The plural in, in, in biblical grammar, in the Hebrew biblical grammar, mm -hmm. the plural is used to designate anyone of rank and position. And uh, we speak of and uh, throughout the Bible, uh, when someone speaks, mm -hmm. uh, and we have different quotes in the book about different uh, prophets as they went along the way and they speak, they speak of themselves as we, because it's a position of rank and honor. But there is only one single entity of God, and a picture of him is, can be drawn because it's something beyond the, the imagination of a human being. Then, then, then how do we know he really exists in that that we yes. didn't that we didn't evolve through create uh, through um, Darwinian methods. That you know, because when you look at the Bible, you've got Adam and Eve, and when you work the math out, it doesn't work out at all. No, well, that exactly, uh, and this is one of the things that we corrected in the book: the misconception, the misconception that the Garden of Eden story is a second story of creation, ah. and this is where you get Adam and Eve six thousand years ago. Now. Man did not come along 6,000 years ago. Man came mm -hmm. along hundreds and hundreds of thousands of years ago. Adam and Eve was the first men to, were the first people to acknowledge God. And uh, a lot of groups, a lot of religious groups now uh, realize that. Adam was not the first man. The first man was created in Genesis 1.27. And we go back, uh, uh, and this is in day six, and that was uh, hundreds of thousands of years ago. And uh, starting off with the caveman, and mm -hmm. then man evolved, evolved. And then when we got to the man, finally, that God, that, uh, God was ready to have man acknowledge him, uh, he created Adam. 
But Adam was not the original man to walk the earth. This is a, the Garden of Eden story is a parable. So then, then how can people take the word of the Bible to be true and honest? If oh, now good. we're if now we're saying uh, Saul, and I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, no, no. I, I, if we're saying that, you know what? What is written is it, it's not the real story. Here's the real story. Ah. But the real story was the real story. Our problem today is the mistranslations and the, the forced translations, because people thinking that God made a mistake, they started to improve on the translations of the Bible to suit themselves. Mm. Now, the question is this. You asked, you asked the best question of them all when you said, how do we know that the Bible is for real? Yes. And, and it comes down to this. If Moses, if we prove that Moses, three and a half thousand years ago, before there was such a thing as science, before there was, you know, before man had any kind of education, uh, knowledge of what the world was like, mm -hmm. if he could have known of every basic detail and their exact chronology in the creation story, and this is what we discuss in chapter one of the book, we go, we just simply take Genesis one, we go through every verse. And we, just, we, we show the, the translation as per the meaning of the words at the time of the Exodus. Don't forget, meaning words change in usage and image yes. and mean different things. At the time of the Exodus. And, and then you, you add to it the, what we learned in science now, today, within the last 75 years. And suddenly we find, you know, the story of that, that Moses reported is exactly correct to the... There, there isn't one verse that's out of line in chronology or in fact. So we could say it would be impossible for Moses or a thousand like him to have known of every basic detail and their exact chronology. Therefore, a supreme power had to be the one to have given it to him. Because there's no way in, in, we could possibly explain how Moses could have known so much from... Uh, which comprises the whole the whole story of Genesis 1. How could he have known of every detail? There are a lot of people who believe that God was an extraterrestrial, that this planet was seeded by visitors from other planets, other stars. Is this a possibility? Uh, no. no. You have to remember that we all have active imagination. Yes. And... Uh, Everyone, everyone is free to think as they wish. That's why you have different religions, and sure. each one is ready to kill the other to, to make their point. You know, so except what I say, or else you're dead. Yeah, uh, you're dead. Yeah, you know, and freedom of speech goes goes a long way if you say what someone yeah. agrees with. Now I'll tell you something else <laughs> that they don't tell you. There's there, everyone pays a very heavy price for that freedom of speech. As Saul, right. you and I have to take a commercial break with the news. Yes. Great having you with us, Exonation uh, Professor Solomon Harriash is my special guest. He's the author of. Um, all right, do you have your pencils Why ready? Why human beings do not need blind faith to believe in creation. There you go. It's available in book format and in e format. BarnesandNoble.com as well as his website. Landpublishing.com. We'll be back. Don't go away. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. 
For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Welcome back, everyone. Professor Solomon Huriash is my special guest. He's the author of a great book, Exonation, Why, Humans Be- Why Human Beings Do Not Need Blind Faith to Believe in Creationism. Two websites, www. Landpublishing.com. The second one is barnesandnoble.com if you'd like to get a copy of the professor's book in either book or e-format. Now, professor, thanks very much for being with us. It's great having you here. But I've got another question for you. I, yes, yeah. sir. Okay. We're saying that the, the Adam and Eve story is a parable. Yes. How do we know that other stories within the Old Testament and the New Testament are parables as well. For example, the crucifixion. Or, um, let me see, uh, yeah, let's stick with the crucifixion. And was Jesus really the Son of God, or was this a metaphor for all mankind? Um, now you're putting me on the spot, because this is so <laughs> because uh, I would uh, limit myself basically to the book you call the the Old Testament. Oh, okay. Now, because no, no, I, no. I'm not, I'm not trying to avoid you. No, no, I understand, uh, sir. Uh, uh, you know, Jesus was a Jew. Mm-hmm. He lived and died as a Jew, and uh, there is all types of stories and questions as to uh, are Christians following the religion of Paul, which is diametrically opposed to everything that Jesus mm-hmm. was teaching, or the other way around. But anyway, if you want to come back to the, sure. the, to, the to the story of the, of the Garden of Eden, okay. the story of the Garden of Eden, it, and it's a parable. A lot of people feel that it's a, a second story of creation. It's a, but uh, we know that it was a parable because man was uh, around for a long time. Adam was not the first man created. Now, how uh, the parable starts with uh, they they uh, ate of the forbidden fruit and then they dressed themselves in fig leaves. Now. No one at any time in the history of man, from the caveman down, ever dressed in clothing, made clothing of leaves, because leaves would wither right away, mm-hmm. and would, they couldn't cover anybody up. We know today that dressing in leaves was a colloquial expression. It was a colloquial expression for offering a poor excuse, because when you say the Garden of Eden is a parable, then the question comes up, what lesson was there that the parable was teaching? Yes. Now, the, uh, they put themselves into a clothing, of, uh, clothing made of leaves, which was nothing more than they were offering a poor excuse. That was a colloquial expression for offering a poor excuse. So if I said to you, ah, you're dressed in, in leaves, 
that is my way of saying to you, uh, you're giving me a poor excuse. It's mm. not acceptable. Now, the word leaf, the, now the, the original scrolls of Moses, and this is not contestable, no one could question it, uh, the Hebrew word is leaf in the singular. Leaf in the singular, and everyone, including the, 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 the Hebrew Bibles that are translated into English, they all use the word leaves as in the plural. And one man said to me once, you know, what I, what I showed him, I said, here, the book says, mm-hmm. the original scrolls, in the original Hebrew says leaf in the singular. And he said, so what's the difference? Who cares? Leaf, leaves, what's the difference? And, the, and, the, and the, the difference is this. First of all, we have no right to translate anything incorrectly to suit ourselves. And if we don't understand what the problem is, we have to keep searching until we do. Here we searched and we found out what the meaning of dressing and leaves meant. And now we know that... Uh, that the, the singular form of leaf was intended because they offered a, a, a single excuse. They both offered the same excuse, and that excuse was they blamed others. Each one blamed the other. Adam went so far as to blame God. He said, a woman you gave me, she made me do it. Yeah, I did it, but she made yeah. me do it. And then the woman says, oh, the snake made me do it. He made me Everybody, no one, they all admitted what they did. But they wouldn't accept full responsibility. What's the what's the story behind the snake? Like, did the snake really talk? Uh, uh, that's why it's a parable. Uh, in Egypt, in, in those days, uh, the snake always repre- in, in all parables. Mm-hmm. The snake represented the, the bad guy, the guy in the black hat. Ah, I see. As we have in the old cowboy movies, yeah, the, good, yeah. the good guy wore a white hat and the bad guy wore a black hat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so <laughs> the old cowboy western. Yeah. Uh, and uh, well, in, in, in all the parables told in those in that period of time, the snake represented evil. Mm-hmm. So that was bad. But snakes never talk, never spoke. Uh, you know, it's got to be a parable. And so, what was the parable about? Learning what uh, proper contrition is, assuming responsibility, and then. The, then we go further into, if we look into the Bible, and we see examples of what true contrition is and wh- why God could forgive some people who sinned and not others. We could take a look at the stories we have of King Saul and King David. Both committed sins against God, and King David's was, sins were more, even more egregious than King Saul's. And they both admitted that they sinned. They came to, to apologize, to seek contrition, to be forgiven, and they both admitted what they did. And the difference was, King David said, I did it. And God forgave him, and he, he eventually became the source of where the Messiah will come from and everything else. He, he took the kingship. What happened to King Saul? He said, yes, I did it. But it wasn't my fault. The, the army, made the generals made me do it. He blamed others. He wouldn't accept full responsibility. And this is what was the first, one of the first lessons we learned in the Garden of Eden parable assuming responsibility for what you do. All right, let's take another look at another story within the Bible to see if it's a parable or if it really did happen. And I'm talking about the story of Noah and Noah's Ark. Um, You know, when you take animals two by two from all over the world and try to put them in the ark the size it was, once again, the math does not work. Is Was this a real story or was this a parable? Okay, uh... It's closer to a real story for this reason. We've done a lot of research. There's a whole chapter we have on Noah in the Ark. Mm-hmm. 
and it turns out it turns out that the, the description in the in the Bible of specifications for the ark was such that that ark could float in in uh, very fast waters. Mm-hmm. There were stories about similar type situations in other groups in very in in Semitic uh, uh, history uh, where they came up with similar stories, but their ark that they described couldn't float in 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 uh, in uh, violent seas. Now, when we talk about putting the animals, why? It would be impossible you know, to have a full-grown lion and everybody living yes. peacefully. Why can't they have taken lion cubs? <laughs> well, why couldn't they have taken, once again, this is getting back to something I talked about earlier where uh, God may have been an E.T. Once again, there, there are those who believe that the story of Noah is basically based on Noah, who is another person from somewhere else taking the DNA of animals two by two. No, uh, but what Noah? Uh, first of all, uh, the, the, the history shows that there were giant floods in that area yeah. of the world uh, throughout history. There were giant floods, and uh, number two, uh, all animal and they said the world perished. Well, the, the world did not perish with that flood. It was a local flood because mm-hmm. Noah never had polar bears. He never had the uh, black panthers. Or penguins. Africa. Yeah, he never had the uh, mountain lions yeah. of the west in his ark. No, it was a limited. And uh, the Hebrew, uh, the, the sages knew that all along because we talk about different species of mm-hmm. birds and all the, that uh, uh, nested in that area. Right. No, the, 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 there's a lot of truth in the Noah story. How much of a parable, I don't know, but there was a lot of truth in it. Uh, there was a, the, the ark had good specifications to to withstand a, a violent sea. Uh, if you took animals that were cubs, uh, they could all fit in very comfortably, and everybody could live in peace for that period of time. Mm-hmm. History does show there was uh, uh, violent storms and uh, uh, upheavals in the weather in that part of the world. But a lot of people say the whole world was brought to an end. No, it was it was a local phenomenon. It did not apply to the whole world. It did not apply to Africa. It did not apply to uh, to Eastern Asia. It didn't apply to the Western world. No. So do you, th- do you think then, Professor, that it's about time that somebody rewrite the Bible and explain it more clearly so that it is better understood? Well, if, if we, if what we try to do in our book we, we tra- we, the translations vary a bit from the standard translations we have. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, what we did was we used the meaning of the original words of, uh, the, of the meaning of the word that used at the time of the Exodus. So our translations come out a little different. And I, I'll give you the, a perfect example of, of, what, of why there's been a problem uh, the way we see the Bible today and the way it's, it was originally written. In Genesis 2.5, uh, among other things, God says there was no rain. Yeah, there was no rain. Now science comes along and says, "Hey, what's wrong with you guys, uh, you Bible-toting people? <laughs> there had to be rain. There nothing would have grown without the rain. There was rain. There was rain. There was lots and lots of rain for millions of years. There was rain. Rain came. Rain, rain went. And yet, those who look at the Bible, the English translation of the Bible, said there was no rain. Well, yeah. God said so. There was no rain. And now you're in conflict. You know, science laughing at us, and they saying, "Well, you e of little faith type That's of routine." Right. But wait a minute. 
it had a simple solution. Uh, and, and we did surveys, and we found out that most people in, uh, in organized religion did not have the answer. There are two words for rain in the Bible, in, in the Hebrew. One is Geshem, when they say, you know, the Geshem rain, blah, 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 which everybody translates as rain, which is rain. And the other word is Motor. It's another word for rain. So everybody's using it synonymously. Rain is rain is rain. But wait, we know today that the word matar is used only for rain that comes from special prayer. So if you want special prayer, so if you're, let's say, having a, uh, a hard time, the crops are dying, mm-hmm. and the animals are dying, there's no uh, rain, you go out there and you make a special plea, you're praying uh, for, for rain. If you get rain, that would be matar rain and not geshem rain, the regular rain. That uh, comes if you pray or not. Now, if you look at the Bible where it says there was no rain, they're using the word for matar rain. So there would be no problem if, if in writing the Bible, if they said there was no rain, parentheses, the kind that you get from uh, 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 special praise to God and the parentheses, so forth and so on. That would explain why they had no rain. And that was one of the reasons as we're leading in from Genesis 2-5, we're leading into the Garden of Eden story mm-hmm. where God is trying to explain to the Israelites why he, he needed man to start to recognize him and follow an orderly uh, procedure where there could be a civilization. So it's, it's understood why people are so confused and why people are, if you'll excuse the expression, starting to lose faith because... What we know today doesn't match up with what the Bible wants us to know, and the church isn't making any move to to say, well, you know what? That's not what they really meant. It's exactly. either it's yeah. either take it lump, you know, take it for as it is, or find another church. Right. Ask no questions. Exactly. And, and and this is true for just about every religion. If you go and you say, you know, this should be this way, a little comic, you know, an academic issue. Yeah. Not cha- and In fact, we made a point in our book. We do not challenge anyone's faith. Yeah. We do not challenge their credibility. We just, this is an academic chal- uh, 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 questions that are raised and resolved. I'll give you the perfect example to answer what you have. You say, you know, how could the Bible apply to all men? Now, here is a mystery of the ages in the Garden of Eden story. Different rivers branch off from the main river that waters the garden, which is, which is uh, there is no such place as a Garden of Eden. This is a, uh, it's a garden of paradise. And the word came from the Persian, uh, which is, uh, uh, it was retranslated from the E, from the, to the English, where they got, where they gave us the impression there was a particular spot mm-hmm. called the garden, uh, uh, garden called the Garden of Eden, and two trees grew right from the exact same spot as the center of the garden. But it was a very interesting story because the main river, the water of the garden, uh, then branches off to different places. Now here's a mystery, uh, Rob, that's mind-boggling for the for ages. The places mentioned where the rivers ran was places like Avila, Kush, and Asherah. But those places were not yet on the map. So the question is, how could Moses have recorded names of places not yet in existence? Wow, excellent question. All I've... right. Now, and, and, of course, the answer has to be that God is speaking to, to us today. I'm not, the van, you know, I'm not uh, selling anybody, you know, religion. Sure. I'm just showing them that the book is so fantastic that we have a book here where 
It had to be given by a supreme power to Moses because he couldn't have known these details. And we now have knowledge of, of places that the people at that time had no way of knowing. All right, Solomon, stand by, my friend. You and I have to take our final break. Professor Solomon Huriash is our special guest, Exo Nation. He's the author of Why Human Beings Do Not Need Blind Faith to Believe in Creationism. www.landpublishing.com is his website, and his book is available in print or ebook format at barnesandnoble.com. My name is Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon. I'll be back with the good professor on the other side of this break. Don't go away. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Hi, I'm Larry Lawson, host of Paranormal Stakeout. With over 36 years in law enforcement, I have learned a few things. The most important is the proper gathering and preservation of evidence is vital to putting the bad guy behind bars. It's no different in the world of paranormal investigation. Whether it's the search for the afterlife, cryptozoology, UFOs, and extraterrestrials, how we gather the evidence, preserve that evidence, and present it to a jury of our peers will make the ultimate difference in proving the existence of worlds and entities that are beyond our imagination. Join me, Larry Lawson, every week on Paranormal Stakeout when, along with my guests, we'll take a journey to prove with indisputable evidence what man has struggled to believe for centuries. Go to xzbn.net for the broadcast schedule and check me out at paranormalstakeout.com. True healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, soul balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A soul balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. Welcome back, everyone. Professor Solomon Huryash is our special guest. He's the author of Why Human Beings Do Not Need Blind Faith to Believe in Creationism. Two websites. His personal website is www.landpublishing.com. And if you'd like to get a copy of his book in print or e-format, visit www.barnesandnoble.com. 
Com. First of all, Professor, thank you very much for joining us, sir. It's been a great pleasure talking to you. And finally, pleasure, and finally, some answers. It makes perfect sense by saying, you know what? This was a parable. Adam and Eve were not the first two people ever created. That the snake doesn't talk. It was a local flood. To me, sir, you have made sense of so much in less than one hour. All right, thank you. What is the, what was the most fascinating discovery you made while researching for your book? Well, the, the, the discovery that the, again, as I said earlier, mm-hmm. that the Bible was in fact in sync with science. Yeah. And they say, holy mackerel, uh, how could Moses have known these things? So if you believe in God or not, we know, how could he have possibly uh, had this uh have this understanding of, of the details. Now, most religions believe that uh, man was inspired, that the Bible is given to men is divine, divinely inspired. Mm-hmm. And that means somebody had a dream or they were listening to the angels speaking, and uh, this is how Isaiah did it. But wait a minute. If you take a look at the five books of Moses, we have here something that is part of of, of, uh, of the creation story. But but if we say if we say if, that makes sense. if we say that everything that Moses was given was uh, you know from a divine source, didn't Moses write the book of Genesis? He didn't. Uh, well, it was dictated. Or he was told about it. And was, how could he have known how the world was formed? How could he have known? But if that's that, the case, but if that's the case, wouldn't the wouldn't he have been correct in the way that he wrote the the beginning of how God created Earth, creationism, and would not the Bible would, would not his account of Adam and Eve, the Garden of Eden, be correct if everything else he wrote was? Well, he he was told about it. Notice, this is don't forget the story of Adam, uh, of Adam and Eve uh, came a few thousand years before Moses, mm-hmm. so. He couldn't have uh, uh, imagined it because we know it to be a fact. So he had to be told about it in places mm-hmm. that the rivers ran to. He right. couldn't have made up those stories. Those places weren't even in existence at that time. He had to have been told about the- Well, that means we've got to say so long for now, Professor. I want to thank you so much for joining us. It's been a great pleasure, sir. I hope to have you back on in the future. Thank you. I look forward to it. Professor Solomon, thank you, sir, and to you a very good day. ExoNation Professor Solomon Hurriash has been my guest. www.landpublishing.com. He's the author of Why Human Beings Do Not Need Blind Faith to Believe in Creationism. And it's available in book or e-format at barnesandnoble.com. I'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away.